This is Gateway City Sports. fans to episode number 23 of the turn of two podcast tito's with me tonight um there, there's a sense of depression amongst all of us tito other than the horrible series um how was your weekend it wasn't too bad i mean weather was okay today was a nice day outside got a little walk in with the, the wife and the, and the kid um had a friend come over he lives in dallas um first time back in, in the St. Louis area in over a year and a half. So um, it's really nice to see him. Awesome. Um, you know, after the game was literally just now ending. Um, I mean, let's just, let's just combine it all into one. I mean, we don't have to dissect it game by game. No. Well, when you get swept, there's very, very little positives to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm going to hit it on the head, man. They need to, to fix the bullpen. They need to fix the bullpen. They need to fix the bench. I mean, plain and simple. I mean, <laughs> you can't walk this many guys and expect to win. No, 24 walks in an entire series, which obviously, you know, for baseball fans, you know, that's almost the same amount as, you know, total outs in a game. Um, you know, 12 in the first game, six in the second game, and then eight tonight. As I told you at the very, you know, right when we jumped on on our call, you know, you're not going to win a lot of games doing that. And you're not going to win any series walking that many people, especially when it's a when you're playing away. Um, that just fuels the fire, you know, fuels the home crowd up. Um, it just wasn't a very good game and a very good series. So, you know what? The best thing that the Cardinals can do right now is is literally put this series and pretend it was in on a piece of paper, say this series, crunch it up into a little ball and put it in the trash can. Absolutely. Like, and I think, I think, you know, the reaction that we're seeing across everybody right now is frustration because as me and you just got done talking about the Padres are banged up, man, they're missing key points in their lineup. And it just felt like, you know, we should have won the series, if not swept it. And, you know, to get beat by essentially some bench guys and Manny Machado, um, it hurts. It sucks because with the Brewers losing two this weekend, you know, we could have really put some distance in between them and it, it's kind of frustrating. Um, but yeah, we can't, we can't walk this many guys. And, and I think it's a lot of the fact that a lot of these guys are, you know, a lot of these arms in our bullpen are straight from Memphis and it, they're young. They, they don't have, they don't have much experience, but that has to change if this team is going to 
go on to the playoffs and contend. I mean, there's only so long that that'll play, and obviously it didn't play for an entire series. So, um, and <laughs> pivotal spots off the bench. I mean, it just, man, it just sucks because I think that we should have won the series. Yeah, and I agree. And I'm not, you know what? I, I'm not going to even say I'm frustrated. And I might be the only one that's not frustrated. But, you you know, I, I don't know what it is about going to the West Coast, but every time we go out there, it feels like we always are trash. So I'm not really surprised that we <laughs> got swept, to be honest. Um, but I am surprised at, at the way that the pitching handled themselves, you know, uh, they were probably the, the best thing coming into to this series and to, and to leave with three straight losses and the starting pitching and the and the bullpen, the way it looked in this series, it, it just kind of brings you back down to a little bit of reality. You know, the Cardinals were riding very high. Um, they right at the start of the series, they were eight games above 500. Now you're down to five very quickly. Um, but there is some good news, right? Arenado looks to be. Uh, heating up at the right moment, what three, th- uh, three, three games with three straight home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very good news. That's very encouraging. Um, Yadier Molina still continues to be a rock behind the plate and at, at the dish and still getting key RBIs. I mean, that throw that he had today in the game to, to nab out that runner at second. Look, sometimes, sometimes you, you just can't teach the way that he plays the game. Um, and, and sometimes, and sometimes it's just best to sit back and, and be Jack Flaherty and, and call it out and say, see you. Thanks. Thanks for playing. Nice knowing you. Um, the other good news is look, if you turn the page and you move on, you have five straight games at home against Pittsburgh and Chicago before you go to, uh, the South side of Chicago and, and take on the white Sox. Uh, and they are a very good team. So you've got five games to, to fine tune whatever you need to fine tune at home. Um, and I hope for their sake that they do it on Sunday night baseball against the Cubs because I'll be there. So it oh, is well, yeah, of course. No. And I think, you know, somebody, somebody came out last night and said straight up, Oh, the bullpen's going to be fine, but I, it's not. Yeah. It, it's not because you can't continue losing games as you are. No, um, you can. You, you're getting ready to burn your arms out. Your three guys that you can trust. I think Helsley's o- overthrowing. Um, you know his stuff's all over the place. Um, you know, and and today, honest to God, it didn't really help that. You know the the home plate umpire had a, the most atrocious zone I've seen, and you know at least um, this season it was all over the place. Yeah. I, mean, I, I saw a call where he called a, a ball just above Carlson's ankles a strike. And then the next time it's a ball and then, you know, calling him outside strike, calling him, you know, hell there's, there's multiple ones in the zone. He missed. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see that, that Twitter account, the umpire scorecard, just to see, you know, how efficient that umpire was. But I agree that there were some really atrocious calls and just head scratchers where you're thinking, what is this guy doing? So not only do you have to actually pitch against major league baseball players, but you're also playing a game against the umpire at this point. Um, and, and trying to pitch to his zone when you know that that's not necessarily going to be the case. And, and when you have a pitcher that may not know what the strike zone is um, and you can't really command, 
uh, I, I can see how we walk that many people, but that's not an excuse, right? You still have to go out and execute your pitches. You still have to go and get people out. And the Cardinals just could not do that. Um, they just couldn't, uh, couldn't uh, execute well enough uh, to keep them in themselves in games. I mean, look, game two, 13 runs. I mean, you know, that's, that's a far cry from, from what, what they've been, you know, the last time that anybody had 13 runs or more against them, it was, it hasn't actually happened this year, but the most that people have scored is, is pretty much like seven or nine runs. So, you know, that's a lot to give up in just a span of, uh, you know, of three, of three games, a lot of runs. And so if I'm going to pinpoint one thing about the bullpen right now, it's they're young. It, they're just very, very young. I don't know if it's a maturity thing. I don't know what you could possibly think it is, um, but that's my thing. They're young. They're still learning how to pitch properly in the major leagues. Um, they have the stuff. They have the talent. They just have to do it on a consistent basis. And, and right now, um, you know, at, at one point, you and I had talked early on in the season that the bullpen – was a big question mark, and then we kind of backed down on it. It's back to being that big question mark. Well, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna combine a bunch of things all at once. Um, I think whenever we see our three guys, our three, you know, sometimes Helsley's good, our three, four, five guys out of the pen that are rock solid, we feel great about the bullpen. But then whenever you see these these Tyler Webbs, um, if Andrew Miller's healthy, if we see him, um, just these random guys that come Woodford these random guys that come out of the pen and it's just like, well, let's pray to see what happens. And so I'm going to step aside from that and, and discuss my views on, you know, walk strike zone, everything like that. And and I think everything that came into play from what I saw today is I don't think a lot of people look at things on a level of breaking everything down from the core or to the base of everything. And what a lot of guys don't realize is that a missed strike call or a missed play, a missed, a missed call period can really set the tone for anything else because, you know, one thing can lead into another. And, you know, if, if you're going to pitch a guy differently on an O2 count than you are a one, one count or behind in the count two one. So yes, you know, maybe they should have kept it more tight, thrown more strikes, but at the same time, you know, you can you can somewhat look at the home plate umpire on on some of the on some of the situations because I mean if you're missing calls that bad and it's putting guys behind it's setting it up to where you know these guys can can see things more see more pitches et cetera et cetera and you know one of the things that frustrates me the most is the fact that and I don't know if you saw it and, and I've seen mixed reviews and I'm just going to be blunt and honest with everyone that listens to this. The Manny, Manny Machado situation was bullshit. And I say that in the sense of the national broadcast wants to say that Nolan Arenado's error throw to first base was the reason for the blow up inning. No, I, I no, that's what started the man on first, but Manny Machado had no reason to slide in the middle of the base path, which in turn knocked out Edmund's feet, which was going to turn a double play. And then you only need one more out in that inning. I've seen some people go, well, you got to throw strikes. No, you don't necessarily have to throw strikes because at that point in time, there's two outs, nobody on. 
and you're pitching a different game at that point in time. But people want to say, well, you know, KK wasn't throwing strikes. But let's break this down to where there's nobody on base and there's two outs. You know, that fly out to Harrison Bader would have been the third out. There would have This game would have been a totally different game if all this bullshit didn't happen. Yeah. And I'm so tired of people looking at, you know, the present rather than what sets everything up. And the fact that that KK essentially got out of that inning, but because of a Bush League bullshit from Manny Machado, it just imploded. And, and if you want to say this is this is him, you know, not being able to control himself, whatever, what have you. But everything in the game of baseball sets something up to be something else. Yeah. And as I watched the replays of the Manny Machado thing, you know, I want to touch on one thing that he does here. It's not so much like, look, I I get going to the ground to avoid being tagged. But the way that he did it, I guess the timing of how he did it, that's probably where the anger stems from. Right. Um, it's not just that he goes down like, look, you slide to avoid tags on first base if you're sliding head first or however you want to slide to avoid the tag. I get that. But the guy, dude, chops his legs down very, very late into the slide. And as you point out very, you know, very well, it's bullshit. It's it is Bush League stuff. Um, and of course, nobody's going to say anything about it. I, I guarantee you nothing will happen. Um, I'd be very interested to see how Manny Machado handles himself the next time that happens, uh, because I don't think uh, he would do anything. I don't think he would do that again. But it's one thing. I I don't know. Yeah, you're right, though. Let let me say it again. You're right. It is. It's incredible how sometimes momentum works. And and in the case uh, of this, you know, in case of, of, as we talked about earlier, the strike zone. Momentum, momentum in baseball sometimes makes or breaks a team very, very quickly, and there's no coming back from it. And I think this is one of those plays where momentum just carried over into into what ends up happening in that game and how and how they uh, kind of break free. Yeah, and and it's just uh, it's just tired, man. It's it just it, and it sets. It just sets everything up in the game. And, and just like just well, just like game one. Look at everything in game one. Oh, you know, look look at the Cardinals, man. They didn't get enough hits. They didn't get enough. No, 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 no. No, no, no. If if everything that took place in game one wasn't, you know, on the on everybody walking everybody, the Cardinals would have been perfectly fine. And they yeah. would have won the game. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is, is people want to look at what's in front of them rather than what's going on actually in the game. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a tired argument. And if, if nobody wants to fess up to it and see what's going on, I had one guy, no, no bullshit. I had one guy literally say the outfield needs fixed in game one, after game one, the outfield needs fixed. What the hell does the outfield, what needs fixed in the outfield? Yeah. I'm going to step, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, Harrison Bader's opening my eyes. He he's playing a, a level of baseball right now that that we haven't seen from him since his since his rookie season. Two eighty. He was hitting two eighty entering today. And as you and I have said before, if that's the case, you're taking that every day. Absolutely. If, that, if that's the player that you're getting every day, you are not looking at him. You're you have to be looking at somewhere else to find a fault. It's not him. Well, no, I mean the bullpen threw or 
pitching itself through X amount of walks in game one, and you're targeting the outfield. Yeah, he's hitting he's hitting two eighty three, two eighty three. I mean, again, you have you you might expect some regression at some point, but right now you take two eighty three all day long, and Car- Carlson's hitting two eighty one. Obviously, Tyler O'Neill got hurt today and was taken out, probably more precaution than anything else. But he, since coming back from the IL, he had been hitting like 260, 270 with all those home runs and RBIs. I mean, it's it's not it's not the outfield's fault for so whoever said that is completely clueless. It boils down to one thing: you have to execute pitches, and you have to be you have to play good fundamental baseball. The Cardinals were doing a really really good job of that up until this series. But all of a sudden, it, you know, it just fell off the track a little bit. So as I said at the very beginning, the best thing that this team can do right now is go home, shower, whatever they got to do, put this series in the trash can and move on. And, and a lot of these and, I, and I'm going to and I told you this earlier, I said. These these, you know, people crying on Twitter saying, oh, well, the Cardinals this and the Cardinals that, you know, I lost my enthusiasm for the Cardinals after this game. Why? Why? The Padres won three games at home. They should win at home. Yes, the Cardinals should win games, and they should be able to take some from the Padres. These are home games. You're also having to deal with jet lag from flying out and all this stuff. Every time, it just it blows my mind that when the Cardinals lose, we all want to jump ship. But nobody wants to sit back and say, you know what? Okay, we lost three in a row. Guess what? Time to move on. Well, and, and just, it just makes it makes me mad. I don't I don't understand why why fans do that. Well, look at game really? one. Look at game one. I saw somebody say, Well, I wish Arenado would have hit a home run in his first about with the bases loaded. Get over well, it. Okay, yeah. Well, you know what? I'd like to see that person go up there and try and hit major league pitching. Betty couldn't do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Betty couldn't. Yeah, because I mean, guess what? Yeah, I mean, the percentage of people that make it to the big leagues and play well at the big leagues is so infinitesimally small that 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 person probably couldn't even sniff a 60 mile an hour fastball. Absolutely not. not. I I just I, I don't get why fans get so worked up over a loss. You know, I understand sometimes it's the way you lose games that really makes you mad. And it's sometimes you just need to say, you know what? It wasn't our weekend because guess what? This is the first time the Cardinals have been swept all year and it won't be the last. I'll tell you that much. And guess what? There's still two games up in the division. They're a half game behind the San Diego Padres in in overall national league standings, but you're not worried about that because all you have to do is win your division. That's, that's all the Cardinals have to do. Win your division. You're in the playoffs. Yeah, that's all. That's all. That's it. Because if you win your division, chances are that you are going to be just fine and you won't have to play the Padres or the Dodgers in, in a wild card scenario. So get over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I, I think everything I, I think I think this I said this the other day. I think this this series opened up a lot of eyes with the bullpen because yeah, I absolutely. Mean, just, and that I think I think honestly, if, if they if they get a Max Scherzer type, you know, at the deadline, uh, I mean, it, it opens up things for the bullpen to happen. But I think, you know, the bench needs fixed because, I mean, 
Carpenter came up with a man on first and second with one out, wasn't it? Or two outs and, so. and hit a little squibber to second base. Like something's got to give. Yeah. I, I, and look, I don't think, uh, I don't think anybody is going into these, it, it going, leaving this series thinking, Oh, the Cardinals are completely fine. That's that shouldn't be the case. That's being a homer. What you should be saying is, okay, there's some obvious errors or there's some obvious holes in this team right now that we need to fix to take them from a good team to a great team. One of them is the starting rotation. Um, the unfortunate part right now is that is very hard to assess when Miles Michaelis is on his way back and taking that rotation spot from John Gant. And you want to see what's what you could have. And the, the fact of the matter is, is let's say you go out and get Scherzer, then that means somebody else is coming off the rotation. It's not going to be Wainwright. It's not going to be Jack Flaherty. So now you have to decide between Michaelis, Carlos Martinez, and Kim. And Kim, although he did not have a great game today, he's your only left-hander in, in, that, uh, in that rotation. And the Cardinals haven't had a good left-handed uh, – pitcher since I don't even know when maybe Jaime Garcia so there are a lot of other factors that come into play when it comes to solely getting Max Scherzer and and granted yes if you're telling me the Cardinals have an opportunity to go get Max Scherzer and make the rotation better I'm all for it I'm all for it but there are other holes that this team needs to fix as well and and this is starting to remind me of a situation like we had in 2011 Mm -hmm. where wasn't just one thing that the Cardinals needed to do. So what did they do? What did that team do? They traded for a starting pitcher and multiple bullpen pieces all in one big trade. And I said earlier in the year that if it were possible, maybe alongside Scherzer, you see how much it would take to get Brad, uh, Brad Bach from the nationals as well, because not only is he uh, a a closer type person, he's also left-handed And right now your other left-handed pitchers aren't doing it because guess what? Tyler Webb, you might as well be prepared to be DFA'd or sent down because you're not doing anything. Andrew Miller. I don't even know where you are right now. I don't even know if he's on the team. Uh, Remember he's got a, he's got a, uh, a, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's all, that's all I'll say about that. Got a blister on his toe. That's not getting any better. Right. So, so that, that therein lies my point, you know, it's not just one thing, right. In in 2011, they went and got Edwin Jackson and a couple other guys, right. Octavio Dotel and Mark Zipchinski, a right-handed reliever and a left-handed reliever. So, so the pieces or the blueprint is there, but the obvious here is, is that Edwin Jackson is not Max Scherzer. And so there are a lot of different factors that people just, you know, People can easily just say, hey, I want those players. Okay, but it's going to take a lot to get to get that. Um, and maybe not so much in Max's case because he's, it's only two months worth and he can just dip out forever, wherever he wants to go to next year, which he probably will do. Um, but you have to understand that in order to get players like that, you're going to have to pay. Well, I think one of the options, one of the options, I think one of the things that I'm starting to really look at is the fact that these internal bullpen options just aren't getting it done? No. Um, I heard I heard Rick Hummel 
on the uh, radio before the game talking to Mike Claiborne about saying how the fact that he doesn't want to see Oviedo back up here until he spends some time down in, you know, down in Memphis. And I don't blame him. I mean, you know, he got what he got last year. Um, and it just feels like we've been kind of patchworking the rotation right now. Um, but he walked like five or six guys and no strikeouts. That's an issue. Yeah. And look, with Miles Michaelis coming back, that's not going to be an issue. Um, but if Miles was still out, I would completely agree with that. And I think that's, you know, that's something to think about. And I mean, also, look, they called up Junior Fernandez. Um, I don't think he pitched today, but it would have been nice to see him throw. Um, it would have been nice to, to test. Junior pitched out. last night, I believe. Did he pitched last night. Um, okay. But he, here's my here's my major concern with Michaelis is he's coming off of getting Tommy John. What if we get, you know, nothing out of him? I mean, it's just it, – it's to a point right now where you're going to have to start making moves or you're going to start seeing these series slip away. We can't trust the arms of Reyes, Gallegos, and Cabrera all the time yeah, where their I arms agree. are going to be burnt out. I, I agree. I mean, and that's why I said the blueprint of, of 2011 is, is right there for you. I mean, it's very obvious that the Cardinals have uh, – have have some choices to make and and some decisions to to really uh to to dive into and and they'll do it i don't think the cardinals and and the front office are sitting here thinking oh this is the team that's taking us to the world series there's no way there's absolutely no way but but we have you know we're still it's may 16th you know, if any, if they're going to make a, a move, it's not going to be till maybe late June, early July. But they'll probably, but they always wait for something at the very end of the deadline too. Well, they, they um, to me, you can't wait that long. You're gonna, well, you're gonna play the Dodgers. You're gonna play, play good teams. I, I agree, and, and I think you know, one thing that is going to drive that bus a little bit is how the rest of May and early June play out, right? Um, how, where are they, uh, division wise and national league, you know, record wise, uh, I think if they're still tops of the division, I still think that it probably doesn't happen as soon as people want it to. Um, and, and if it's late, but if they're kind of mid of the mid pack or in second, they'll probably kick the tires on something sooner or later. The other thing is, is you don't want to wait for, you know, if you're going after Max Scherzer, you don't want to wait for anybody um, else to pick him off. Right. I mean, the Dodgers for, for all intents and purposes, they also need a starting pitcher because of Dustin may going down. Why not go after him? Yeah. If he's going to be worth two months of you, you have the best rotation in baseball that I've ever seen in my lifetime right there. Um, and, and few would argue that. Um, so there's a lot of, again, it's easy to say, go get them, but there are a lot of just different factors. And then, you know, let's put, let's put the scenario down that Max Scherzer isn't available or has already been traded to another team. Who are you going to go get at that point to bolster the rotation? There's not a lot of great pitchers out there that would be cost effective for the Cardinals to just say, yeah, I want that person. I saw the, the mention of Danny Duffy not that long ago. He, he started the season well, but guess what? Hasn't looked that great here recently. Yeah, and could he's be. already playing on a really shitty team, so it's it's not it's not you know it's not apples and oranges per se, but 
you may not, you may be reading it, it wrong into it because that division is bad. They're not good. Well, here's the thing is I think, I think Danny Duffy could be an option, you know, sure. um, I think, I think t- they're going to have to see what happens to Tyler O'Neill because I don't think they're going to, they're going to try to Thomas or, or Justin Williams out there. Well, um, he day to day, this what from Katie Wu just not that long ago. Uh, Katie Wu said he's considered day to day sprained his left middle finger sliding into second base. Um, so hopefully it's not too serious. Um, oh, God. Uh, oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think we could see some bullpen um, adjustments coming here within the next couple weeks. Um, like I said, man, you can't trust anything outside the three guys I mentioned. Helsley went out there today, and a lot of guys put some hope into him. And, I mean, he's just overthrowing the ball. He's all over the place. But just like everybody else damn near out of the pen, it's just it's it's a wild card right now. And um, I haven't really dug into different bullpen arms around the league to, to see who might be an option. But um, they're going to have to do something soon, or, or these type of games are going to start slipping away. Series, healthy series. Yeah, I, look, as, as I said, you've got the Pirates coming in town. You've got the Cubs right after them. Um, and then you go out for three against the White Sox, and then you head down to Arizona for four. Um, and then the Dodgers uh, at the end of May, beginning of June. You know, there's there's obviously two teams in there that stand out to you. Um, the White Sox, again, their pitching is very, very good. Uh, maybe we, you know, Lance Lynn is scheduled to throw against John Gant. Then you've got a great game between Flaherty and Giolito. Um, and then we don't have a starter named that day, but they're playing against uh, Carlos Rodon, who obviously has thrown a no-hitter already. So that these tune-up games is what I'm calling them between Pittsburgh and Chicago. Uh, you should probably win four of the five. Mm-hmm. Should win four of the five. There's only five? Uh, it's not six games? No, yeah, it's weird. It, for some reason, tomorrow the Cardinals have an off day, and then they played Pittsburgh twice on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday against Chicago. Why they did that, I don't know. But you've got a couple of days off in between there to to rest some guys. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Kisner gets a start or two um, against, uh, against Pittsburgh. Um, I would probably let Molina get some rest those two days um, or at least one of those days um, heading into the, into a big time series against the Cubs. It's the first time the Cubs have been back um, at Bush stadium since 2019. Um, And all of these games are night games. So there's a lot of of, uh, headlines going into this. Um, So it it should be, it should be fun, but they got to, they got to handle business, right? They got to take care of it. Um, you can't just think these are gimme games. And, and maybe that's what, you know, sometimes I, you don't want to think about it this way, but maybe that was going through their head in San Diego. Oh, well, Tatis Jr. is out. Uh, Will Myers is out. And a couple other guys are out. Nah, we shouldn't take this too seriously. And you get smacked in the face. That's what happens sometimes. Um, so maybe this is a not necessarily a wake-up call, uh, but it rang their bell a little bit. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Um, so other than that, I mean, I know we talked about it yesterday, but let's just touch base on it real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all in all, last time me and you spoke, we said that 
Albert wasn't going to be in St. Louis this year. Um, you know, and there's a there's a split down the middle, I felt like, on people who wanted Albert here, who didn't want him here. Um, even some old old timers, you know, the boomers who thought, oh, you know, he, you know, he, he left us high. And, no, it, it's not about that anymore. It, it's about the heart. It's about the love at this point in time. It's not about who can play because honestly, God, like some people said, the bench isn't any good and Albert is not going to make that any worse. No, um, I, you know, as soon as the news came out, I, I texted you. And I told you it couldn't have happened. It, it, it could have been any other team outside of the Cubs or like a National League Central team. And I would have been OK. But the Dodgers of all teams. Um, and I guess it makes sense logistically for him. Right. You're only you're not moving anywhere. You're just going to go um, instead of going south of Los Angeles. You're going up towards Los Angeles. Um, traffic's probably not that much better, but. You know, at the end of the day, I think there's a couple of big time questions that you have to ask yourself. Um, do the Dodgers, did the Dodgers even need Pujols? Um, it's not like they need a first baseman. They've got Max Muncy. Um, so essentially he's going to be playing the same role that he would in the Cardinals. And I think that's where the, I guess, maybe some frustration lies with this is, you know, if he was willing to accept a, a, a role like that um, in Los Angeles, what would, what's any different in St. Louis? They're both National League teams uh, with both starting first basemen, and the only difference is, is that Pujols would platoon with Max Muncy um, in the event of a left-handed thrower. And I, that's, that's realistically when he's going to get his starts, um, unless the Dodgers just feel like, no, Pujols was on the verge of a breakout. I just don't see – how this makes a lot of sense um but you know what albert pools gets to gets to continue to play and i'm happy for him um and i think there was a tweet earlier today that you know talked about the cardinals decision not to bring him back and and you know the beat writers have been saying it for weeks and then john Heyman decided to throw his hat in the ring and then take it all back and about the span of 40 45 minutes the fact of the matter is is Pools coming to St. Louis was a very, very, very big time stretch thing. Um, unless there was some serious momentum heading in our way, um, I did, we knew that it wasn't going to happen. Um, had there been a DH in the National League this year, I think there's no, no doubt in my mind Pools would have been back. There's no doubt in my mind. The Cardinals would have given, that, given him that opportunity. Which makes me, which makes me think that if the National League adopts the DH rule as it probably should at this point, um, that makes me think that you know next year he comes back to St. Louis, one final year, and he goes out with Yachty and he goes out with Wayno, like we talked about, and, and that's the season, that's the storyline for the Cardinals next year. Um, now instead of uh, seeing him play in the AL, you get to see him play in the Dodgers. Um, so mark, mark it in your calendars, everybody, September 6th through the 9th. That's when they're in town. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I personally just think, you know, it made sense for Pools to maybe go to the Dodgers because it is close, doesn't have to yeah. up and move his family. At the same time, you're, you're very right. What are the Dodgers doing? 
I personally think the Dodgers just have to have their hat and everything. It's kind of annoying. Um, I mean, you would have to think that Max Muncy all of a sudden becomes a trade chip. I mean, I'm not kidding on that. Well, and I thought about that too. Whenever we were talking about the the, the, the situation with Scherzer, right? You, know, it, you can trade one of those guys over there, and maybe a prospect or two, and that's going to land it for you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can. I'm tired of fighting that damn rotation over there, you know. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, it doesn't make sense. But at the same, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it's odd, but at the same time, like you just said. You know, I do believe that if the DH is in the National League next year, which it's very likely that it will be, I think we could see Pools, you know, one one final ride in St. Louis. And, you know, he may not be the uh, be the DH all the time. But, you know, if he is, I don't see, you know, let, just let the man ride out. You know, I'm, I'm welcoming, welcoming him back to St. Louis with open arms. There's no doubt about it. So. Yeah, I uh... – I'm happy. Like I said, I'm happy that he got, he's getting an opportunity to play at this point. If the national, if the national league gets the DH next year and it comes out sometime soon that they will, I hope he doesn't hit 700 home runs this year and gets the opportunity in St. Louis. That's the only thing I'll, I'll really care about at that point. Um, because he deserves to have his moment with a city that truly loves him. Um, and I, I want to address something that you said about, people start, you know, hating Albert again for not coming back to the Cardinals. Um, I don't get it. Get over it. I don't know if you're still mad about him leaving in 2000, you know, at the end of the 2011 season, um, get over it. It, it, There's nothing that there's nothing that you could say to me or say to anybody else uh, to discredit what Albert's done in his career. He's been the, you know, the best right-handed hitter I've ever seen one of the best right-handed hitters in the game. And you should just appreciate when you see a great baseball player, no matter what Jersey he's wearing. Um, yes. It's going to be weird to see him in Dodger blue. Cause you don't know, you know, when I think of our pools, obviously you don't associate, you know, him wearing the color blue, it's all been red, mm-hmm. um, but you know, this is a business and, and players still need to play. So the, the best thing that the Cardinals have is that they'll get to see him for, for uh, you know, two years in a row, essentially, um, with fans in the stadium. And they're going to they're going to make money off of that. Um, and that's just kind of how it is. So people who are upset with pools for not signing with the Cardinals again. Um, I don't really know what to say, but you need to get over it because they they the Cardinals are going to move on and they got they've got games to play. I'm sure they would love to have him, but it's just, it just wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, and I just you know it is what it is. We don't hell we don't even know if the Cardinals even reached out. Um, obviously, everything is just speculation at this point in time. But I, I think they got bigger fish to fry right now than than the acquisition of uh, than um, yeah, Albert Pools. You know, Pools wasn't going to win you the World Series. No, no, absolutely put, not. Put it put it that way. That's all you have to say. Pools by himself would not win you the World Series, so don't act like it would. It would be nice to have him, but that wasn't going to put you over the top. There's still way bigger fish to fry, as you say, way bigger fish to fry to get to that point. And right now, that's just as important as, as getting Albert Pools back in St. Louis. Well, what's, what's odd to me 
what's very odd to me in like today's game, sorry, I'm jumping around, but why why is Matt Carpenter your first left-handed bat off the bench? Because they don't have anybody else. They've got Justin Williams who swings a bat hard. Yes, he strikes out, but he's no he's no worse than Matt Carpenter. Right. And, and he's and a little I, bit quicker. And I I mean it's just it's just so disappointing to know that but, that, oh, but that begs that brings us to the same point that you made earlier. The bench in general just doesn't have anybody. If if John Nagowski was healthy, I guarantee you he gets more at bats than Matt Carpenter. No, no doubt in my mind, but he's not healthy. So there is nobody there. Um, and that, you know, ties all the way back to our pools. You I mean, could you have used him in a bench role? But he's got to, again, he has to be willing to do that on, on the St. Louis team. And, and I found this interesting, you know, there was a tweet earlier that said something about how um, we, you know, I think in our group chat with our, with our uh, fellow writers, you know, there was a, there was a tweet earlier on Saturday where it talked about headwinds about, you know, the front office and Pujols and whether there was some bitterness still there. And I cannot believe that is even a thing. I can't because that was so long ago. Like, you know what, if that were even true, there's no way that Albert Pujols would feel, you know, more disrespected by what the Cardinals did than what the Los Angeles angels just did. There's no way there's no way. So I, I, I just, this is, I'm not frustrated with all this, but I'm just tired of people making stupid comments that, the Cardinals should do this or shouldn't have done this or wish they would have done this. It's like, what do you want them to do? They went out and got Arnado, arguably the best third baseman in, in, in the whole league and all of baseball. They went out and got Paul Goldschmidt a couple of years ago. You know, they're doing everything that we want them to do outside of win a world series. What else do we need in order for people to be happy with the team that they have, you know, I just I don't get it right now. I, I truly do not get it. And I wonder if it's just a bunch of, you know, you want to you want to put a hot take out there on social media and, and try and get whatever likes you want on it. But I, I'm just so frustrated with fans and how fans act about whether how this team is doing. Oh. I, I just don't get it. I the thing just, is, is whenever whenever we're doing good, we're doing good. Whenever, right. Whenever we're doing bad, we have to nitpick everything that's going on. But truly, there's – I mean, I wish I could make an excuse for everything, but, I mean, there's legit no excuse for all the walks. No, there, and there isn't. And, and that's not to say, like, you know, you can't criticize the team, but there's a difference between criticizing and complaining. Yeah, absolutely. Objectively, subjectively, I don't really give a rat's ass how you want to describe it. There is. And most people complain. Objectively criticizing the team is a different thing. People need to understand that. And, and they just, they don't, they don't care because you know what? I'm going to complain about this. Like this other, you know, the other day, I think it was yesterday. Somebody said something about Harrison Bader. And, um, you know, I thought to myself, like, why are people, why are people still pushing this narrative that, um, that everybody hates Harrison Bader. Nobody hates him. They just want him to do well. And there's nothing wrong with people saying, you know what? I'm, I want him to do well um, and, and, and objectively criticize that he needs to make changes at the plate. And guess what? He's done that. 
Mm-hmm. Now all, all these Bader, you know, stands want to say, oh, well, where's everybody now? Like, that's not how it works. Yeah. And, well, and you know what? Every time Bader does something well, I personally think he's taking an attack at you, by the way, Matt Knowles. I really do. He's Take what? That. He's what? I say every time he does something well at this point, because of all of the Twitter subtweets and everything like that, I think he's personally attacking you every time he does something well. He knows Man. that you, he knows you're a hater. He knows you're a hater. So I'm not a hater though. I'm that. not a hater. I know. I know you're not. But I think people are just so caught up in in, in these again in people complaining or not complaining that they're just not seeing it as objective criticism one of the one of the the coolest things that i saw today alone is the fact that harrison bader's taking pitches they've i man he's 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 doing well you know put put the home runs to the side put the home runs to the side i think it was in his first oh yeah his first plate appearance i believe it was or maybe it was second um he had a runner on second and third and that ball out to ball out to sh- uh, center field. I-, I felt like he shortened up his swing and was just, you know, trying to get a base knock. And, you know, one of the things I'm going to, uh, I'm going to eat crow, you know, he's, he's doing well and he's, he's doing situational hitting and, you know, he's not taking these lumberjack hacks. And um, yeah, I mean, there, there are characteristics about Harrison Bader that people may hate. They may dislike, but whenever he's cutting down on strikeouts, and he's doing what you ask him to do, you kind of have to just reel back a little bit and say, okay, I can, I can not like Harrison Bader, the person, but you know, you can't discredit Harrison Bader, the ball player. But the thing, the thing, you know, that's chapped my ass for so long is, is, is saying that, you know, he's the greatest of all time. And, um, you know, there, there was somebody that sent out something today about, Oh, since Harrison Bader has been back, you know, his stats compared to Mike Trout's, please, please stop. Please stop. Agreed. Golly. Yeah. It's, okay. It's tough, man. It's, 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 it really is, tough. it is, but you know, people are going to attack, but you know, just, you gotta be, you gotta be ready for that stuff. It, it is what yeah. it is, man. It is. Yeah. yeah this, po- this podcast episode went from objectively talking about the Cardinals series loss to complaining about <laughs> people complaining. So this is, yeah, uh, I mean, we love complaining about complaining here at the turn into podcast sponsored by I, no one. Please buy your ad space now. Um, I will complain that nobody has sponsored us at this point. They ha- you know, they have and they should. And they probably won't. They probably will not. Okay. Yeah, that's so okay. Let's, let's look ahead to the um, short two-game stretch against <laughs> the um, Pittsburgh Pirates, it looks like. In yeah. um, game one, we've got JT Brubaker with a 2.58 ERA, 41 strikeouts. And uh, 183, John Gant. Ah. <sighs> Man, John Gant. While he does get things done, those walks, my friend. Yep. I mean, you can't discredit the low ERA, but at the same time, I mean. 27 I walks in all of his starts. I think he's, he's a perfect he is the perfect bullpen piece at this point in time. He is the guy that you need to call out of the pen, throw you in a long stretch, two two innings um, yeah. of decent, you know, ball. You know, he's not a starter. I don't think he's meant to be a starter. But even then, but even then, you know, he still has to figure out those walks because if you're going to put him in the bullpen, as we've said before in 
other episodes when it come come playoff time those walks man mm-hmm. they will kill you so that that just can't be um that cannot be the case going forward but the fact of the matter is with all those walks he still has a 1.83 era somehow right. <laughs> somehow he's only given up one home run too which Correct. is, I think, a stat I saw from an article on ESPN Plus today was that the Cardinals pitchers had only allowed, like, one home run in their last, like, 15 or so games prior to this series or something like that. It's something crazy. Um, but, you know, look, the Pirate, the Pirates are throwing JT Brubaker, who hasn't been bad. He's a 2.58 ERA. Um, he doesn't walk a lot of people, so he throws strikes but the Cardinals already beat him once. So I expect them to do it again. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's, it's the Pittsburgh pirates. Mm. I mean, they should just run laps around them. Hopefully the, the guys can reel back in the, uh, the well that and reel back in the walks and hopefully, you know, get in there. And, and you know what they said on the broadcast on ESPN tonight was the Padres were um, the top team in the, in the majors, maybe, that uh, that took pitches. They don't swing it much. So in turn, you know, it just kind of inflated or opened the eyes on the whole bullpen situation, which, um, you know, maybe that maybe that does stuff to the, the bullpen and these guys start tossing, you know, a little bit tighter. Um, but then so in game two, we've got our main man, the ace Jack Flaherty taking on Trevor Cahill um, and Flaherty, man, he's. He and I told you, I told you this after the first week that he would be bringing it back in. And man, has he impressed us? Seven in a row, about to be eight. There's no, there's no reason he should lose. The only thing is, is that maybe the game gets rained out because they are calling for some storms that day. But I mean, he's just been very, 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 very good. As of late, you know, like I said, seven straight in a row. His whip is 0.95. That's great. I'm going to say something right here, right here on the podcast. I think I know where you're going with this, and I think it starts at the C. Nope. Okay. I think that – oh, no, no, that he, he's very much a candidate in my eyes for the side. <laughs> but um, I think that if Wednesday's game happens – I think that Jack Flaherty throws a no-hitter. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You are going you're going that far, huh? I am. I mean, you gotta look at the Pirates, man. They you, you know, might as well say a perfect game at that point. Jeez. I mean, I, I don't I, man, we haven't seen a no-hitter since two thousand one. I'm trying to be reasonable. I'm trying to bring it in. But I think I think Jack Flaherty's got the stuff. Um, you know, he's got a great defense behind him. Um, you know, with the with the outfield, you know, hopefully Tyler O'Neill's back. Um, we got speed in the outfield. We got a great corner defense. Um, I just think that at this present time, with with how Jack Flaherty is is on a roll and everything's cruising right now, um, I think that if not in this game, it's it's coming. Um, and I say this. I mean, there's already been what three or four no hitters already this year. Four, yeah. I mean, it's he he's knocking on the door, and I, I think I think Wednesday would be the great time against the Pittsburgh Pirates at home for Jack Flair to throw the first Cardinals no hitter since two thousand one. Did you get that feeling in his last start that he was kind of trying to get work his way that way? I mean, like 
for some reason his, his the way he was pitching against Milwaukee, you know, um, I just had that feeling like, man, he's got some really, really, really good stuff. Uh, you know, listen to these last game game logs for him. Um, hit total wise, Monday the nineteenth of April, he had six. The next day he goes out and you know, next time around, road, uh, he throws three hits, six hits, then three hits, and then this time he hit four. So he's a very, very, very consistent pitcher in terms of limiting his hits. He doesn't do that that much to begin with. Um, you're essentially saying that he, you know, he gives up maybe three hits, three and a half hits a game. Um, and that's pretty freaking good. The problem is, and his, again, we've talked about this before, is that his pitch count gets so, so high up. And it, and it gets there very, very quickly. Um, but it brings me to the point that I made last week when I was talking with Colin, these pitchers for the Cardinals, I think have developed this mental game plan with Yadier Molina that they need to let their defense work for them. They don't have to be the strikeout pitcher. Um, Jack doesn't have that many strikeouts so far. He's, he only has 48 strikeouts. Whereas, you know, Garrett Cole, has 60s, you know, in the high 60s, Corbin Burns in the high 60s. Um, those guys are strikeout pitchers. And Jack, I don't think he's not a strikeout pitcher, but he doesn't need the strikeout to get these outs. Um, and I think, again, that's where we're seeing these evolutions or these in these mental changes um, that the Cardinals are, are making to help with their defense. That's why they go out and get a guy like Nolan Arenado. Because he knows that's a they know that's a vacuum over there at third base. Anything hit his way is pretty much getting caught, unless it's over his head. Um, and even then, sometimes he'll get it. So I, I'm I'm all with, I'm on that train with you. Uh, I don't think it, that happens because a no hitter is a very very rare event. Um, but I guess you know if this season has shown us anything, it's that um, anybody could do it. Absolutely. Well, you know, it was a good, it's a good chat. Um, yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts, arguments, concerns? Yeah, uh, I'm not even going to say this is an is an argument, um, but I again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. When the Cardinals do, you know, when the Cardinals do get swept again at some point this this year, I hope that the Cardinal fans don't take it too personally because um, it's not worth, it's not worth the mental gymnastics y'all are putting yourselves through. Trust me. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this was just one of those series that, that opens the eyes of um, hopefully the front office, um, not necessarily the fans, but uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a valid argument to argue the walk rate. Um, but you know, to, to dis, disown your team because, you know, something is being exposed now rather than after the trade deadline. Um, you know, that's all I'll say. I think, I think it'll just hopefully start making some wheels turn for the front office to, to be pushing towards some moves here in the next few weeks, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's not much to say this weekend was uh, a lot of negatives and not a lot of positives and that's going to happen. So again, put this in the trash can, get ready for Pittsburgh and Chicago. Let's go. 
Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, if you guys want to subscribe, download, whatever, to the Turn Into Podcast, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on there, um, you know, we're pushing out some good episodes. I've got I've got a special guest coming on within the next few days that you guys want to listen to. Um, I'm not going to leak it yet. Tito does know. Um, but, um, yeah, you just want to keep in touch and uh, be in the know. So, until next time, go Cards. Hopefully we can have a great series coming up this week and weekend against the Cubs and Pirates.